Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. Hey Amarillo is brought to you by ROI Online. ROI offers content marketing, email marketing, social media marketing, web and mobile design, and more for businesses of all sizes. As your business development partner and marketing agency, they help you tell your story. Learn more at ROIOnline.com. Today's guest is Eric Miller. Now, most of my guests tend to have pretty positive things to say about Amarillo, but that is literally Eric's job. He's the director of communications for the Amarillo Convention and Visitor Council. So he's tasked with working with travel writers and tour groups and other entities to promote Amarillo as a tourism destination. He's not a native of Amarillo, but Eric has lived here for more than 20 years and he's made a career of identifying the best things about Amarillo. So we sat down at the CVC offices, uh, which are in the historic Bivens home on Polk Street, to talk about his career and to talk especially about the unique product that he's selling, which is the city. Here's Eric Miller. Eric Miller, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. I appreciate it. Well, I've been waiting for you to call, Jason. I am very excited to be your guest. Well, I know if there's anybody that has uh, some positive and informative things to say about the city of Amarillo, it's probably you. So, Well, that's that's my job, so I, I'm glad to talk about it. Yes. Okay, so before we talk about your job and what you do, uh, I want to talk about how you got here, how you ended up in this area. So tell me your story. I'm a native Texan. Mm-hmm. I was born in Houston. Uh, I didn't get here though until about 20 years ago, 1997. Okay. I wandered between Houston and the New York City area. I made a side trip to Omaha. Uh, ended up here because my wife, my late wife, uh, got a job at the College of Pharmacy. So I came here planning to be Mr. Mom. My girls were elementary school, maybe early middle school. We were here less than a month, and literally this job came looking for me. I had someone call and say, hey, we heard you're in town. We think, da-da-da. All of a sudden, you know, within two weeks, I had the job. Now, did you have a background doing that sort of thing? What what kind of background did you bring? I've always been in public relations. Okay. Uh, I have a journalism degree from a, a university on the East Coast. I started training back when there were typewriters, mm-hmm. but I've always been in public relations. I've done it for agriculture. I had done it for higher education. Uh, I had not done it for tourism. So this is a first. Tell me when you moved to Amarillo intending to be Mr. Mom. Uh, did you have past experience of the city? Had you been here before? Had you passed through or any, anything like that? It was our, our first time here as, as individuals, as a family. I had asked a lot of questions when we were in the uh, interview stage. My wife was in the interview stage. Um, of course, she was interested because the School of Pharmacy was right. so new and so exciting. Um, so she was very interested from that point of view. It ended up being a real good fit. Although I remember we came here for our house hunting trip. Uh, We really hadn't accepted the job yet, but we were serious. And we landed at the airport, and we ate at the old black-eyed pea that was on the interstate. Right. And then I said to my family, I said, look, 
We don't know if we're coming back. I want to go to Paladura Canyon. And so we spent the afternoon down there because I had heard about it for years. Mm-hmm. I knew it was here. I knew it was close. And I'm like, well, if I don't ever come back, I'll never forgive myself. So we went to Paladura Canyon our first afternoon as a family when we were doing our house hunting trip. What were your impressions of Amarillo before you came here? Like having spent time in Texas, you know, whether it's in the Houston area or, or whatever, did you like have a preconceived idea of what Amarillo was? Sure. I, I, and I think I had a, a, a better educated preconception just because I was from Houston. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we always saw Amarillo was far away. About uh, as far as you can get. About as far as you can get. Texas. We would watch our weather casts there in Houston, and it seemed like it snowed every day in the winter in Dalhart. I just remember watching our, our Houston weather casts, and they were always pointing out how cold it was in Dalhart, and I knew that was near here. I knew it was flat, but Houston's flat. I mean, Houston's flatter, actually, so, but I knew it was flat, uh, and then I knew about Paladura Canyon. I mean, it was a mythical kind of bucket list thing that was mm. out there. Um, I knew the stake, the big stake was here. I probably knew that the Cadillacs were here, but that's probably my limit of what I knew beforehand. Maybe that's a little bit more than the average person. I don't know, but that, that's probably my preconception. And so when this job opened up, you know, at that point, was it the same role that you're doing now with the CVC? Well, yes, same role, just different tools, Okay, probably. But yes, I've always been focused on communicating about Amarillo, about Amarillo as a destination, mm-hmm. uh, about Amarillo as a place to actually enjoy yourself, a place to spend ultimately maybe a vacation, uh, which is an idea that I don't think is real, or at least when I started, was real popular. It may still not be popular, but hopefully we've made a dent in the idea that it's more than just a place to stop on the way to Colorado, mm-hmm. summer or winter, to get some gas, stretch your legs, maybe, maybe spend overnight you know, on, a, on, a, on one of our hotels along the interstate, but then you're gone early next morning. We're, we're making a dent. You know, our average stay slowly has been increasing over time. So we're really we're excited about that, and that's what we're trying to do, get people to spend a little bit more time. Uh, in Amarillo. So thinking back when you first started, I'm interested in taking a job, the the purpose of which is to advertise and speak on behalf of a city mm-hmm. that you have just moved to and that you don't have experience with. So tell me about the educational process. Like how do you spend those first few months? Do you just go to all the places and experience the big Texan and go back to Paladero Canyon and start eating at a lot of restaurants? How does that work? Well, yeah. I mean, that's how it works, Jason. Uh, It's very much getting immersed in your community very quickly because your job is to become the face of the city, Uh, the outward face especially. A lot of folks don't know I'm here maybe. A lot of residents may not know I'm here, but that's because I'm working so much 
facing out. Yeah, you're facing, not talking to them. I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to Austin or Albuquerque or New York City or Chicago. I mean, that's where I'm looking. Yes, I had a lot of immersion. I think there was a lot of doubt on the part of some of the locals that I started to work with. I mean, here's this, well, I sound like a Northern Yankee who's coming in to represent us. Some outsider. Some outsider. There you go. Uh, so yeah, I had to really work on, hey, I'm a native Texan. I got here as fast as I could and I'm learning as much as I can. Uh, so for me, especially the early years, I wasn't the expert and I still don't consider myself the expert. My job was to put the people in touch with the expert. You know, the reporter from, uh, say, Missouri, and they're asking questions about horses. Well, I, I needed to put them in touch with the quarter horse people or maybe a rodeo organization like WRCA. So I, I'm, the, I'm, I'm the vehicle because I'm not the story. The story is this amazing city uh, that's been growing and maturing and getting a bit more sophisticated, I think, in the process. So I'm not the story. I'm mm-hmm. just helping get You're it out. You're making sure other people are equipped to tell that story. Very definitely. So give me an idea, and and for listeners too, uh, I'm probably more aware of what the CBC does, uh, maybe than most people, but give us an idea of like what your day is like. I mean, what what are you doing on a daily basis? Are you talking to travel writers? Are you, you know, working with people planning conventions? I mean, what are the different pieces? Uh, 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 let me go over today because it's really a, a very average day. Uh, in in the morning, I'm I'm an early guy. Seven o'clock. My first thing was I finished up a rather lengthy email to a Canadian couple. They're coming here in a couple weeks. They're big travel writers, photographers. So I was wrapping that up for them. Did they contact you yes. first? So they said, we're coming through here. Well, they were referred to me okay. by uh, someone who I've worked with up in Canada. They're coming from Canada. So I was wrapping that up. Uh, at the same time, I had a meeting at, down at Palace here downtown. I was hooking a couple people up the WRCA on one side and a couple local freelancer freelance photographers on the other mm-hmm. to talk about a possible project for the 25th anniversary, which is a couple years down the road. Now I'm visiting with you. Uh, this afternoon, I'll be down on Route 66 with a couple of my colleagues doing kind of internal public relations. Route 66 is a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's a very big deal. And there are so many people down on our historic Route 66 that we don't know. And so they don't know us. So we're going to spend an afternoon talking to folks, going into businesses, saying, hey, this is what we do and this is how we can help you. So please, let's keep in touch. Because you never know when uh, someone's going to come in, you know, wanting to take a group down there or maybe a travel writer wants to go down there. So we'll be able to have the information to make that connection. And then finally tonight, we're going to go to First Thursday. It's an art and music event down at the 806. The 806 is the coffee house of the younger generation, without a doubt. Um, It's also the home of a group called the Sand Jack Coalition, kind of a, a second association that exists down along Route 66. 
maybe for different reasons, too, than the historic Route 66 Association. But we've never made those connections very well with the San Jack group. So I'm, I'm looking forward to tonight. It'll be, it, it's, it, today's a great day. I mean, some outward stuff mm-hmm. with the Canadian travel riders, uh, getting some pe- people together, the uh, WRCA project maybe. And then this afternoon, actually having time to introduce ourselves to more people locally so we can help people better uh, down the road. I'm interested in the fact that your business, um, or I guess your work is sort of advertising and the product is a city. Uh, so you are out promoting Amarillo as a destination. Mm-hmm. What's your selling point? I mean, what, what's, does, does that change based on who you're talking to or is it always the same story that you're telling? Yeah, it will vary a little bit without a doubt because you know one group has different interests than another. But we have some really good standard talking points. Number one is value. Great value in Amarillo. And by that, I mean price. Mm-hmm. Uh, hotel prices, a lot less than bigger metro areas. Uh, restaurant prices, yeah, they're a little bit higher. If you're a long-term resident, you've been noticing that. Mm-hmm. But the options are incredible in Amarillo now. So you have great variety and value in dining. Our attractions, I mean, let's compare Wonderland to Six Flags. No, they're not really comparable, but the value of going to Wonderland is incredible, especially for a young family. It's a lot less expensive. It's a lot more manageable. Maybe it might be perceived as safer Maybe something like that because you can see your kids. You can actually let your kids run at Wonderland. And it's, I think, friendlier. My eldest daughter worked there for a summer, and she, she learned a lot about customer relations from Paul and his group. So value in the attractions is incredible when you compare it to experiences in a larger, a larger venue, a larger city. So value is a good way to start. Western. We are Western. Now, some folks might argue we have to get over that. And maybe we do. But it's something we can always come back to. Folks still are interested in cowboys and Indians. I I, I hate to phrase it that way, but that's it. They want to go where they're doing the Western thing. And that's here. We have a couple kind of marketing tags that we use. And they're both kind of Western-oriented. The older one is Step Into the Real Texas, and you may be familiar with that. That's been around for years. Mm -hmm. A newer one is For the West of Your Life, which is kind of a neat play on Mm -hmm. words. But again, it's Western. And then our logo includes cowboy boots. Right. Our logo has been the same for almost 30 years. We've, We've kind of stylized it here or there, but we've never changed it. Because wherever we go, people remember that logo. Western is here, and I think so. That, we're going to stay with it. That that sort of speaks to the division in your work between you know there are people who are talking to Amarillo and are internally focused, and then there's there's the CVC which is talking to people outside Amarillo. And maybe if you live here, the people are thinking, well, we need to move beyond the Western image. We need to embrace high tech and business and entrepreneurship. But if you're talking to people who are going to visit Amarillo, 
that's still a big draw. Whether they are Europeans who want to drive, you know, Route 66 and say they've been to Texas or somebody who comes here for a rodeo, Mm -hmm. that Western aspect is still important and you, your job is to sell to them. Mm -hmm. And, and, And it always will be. Uh, so we do rely on the old standard, but we have a third thing, a new standard maybe, or a surprise for our visitors coming in from outside. We just kill it when we talk about arts and culture because hmm. no one expects what they find in this city. And so what do they find? They expected? find professional symphony, professional opera, professional ballet. They find, man, it's, it, it's not professional, but it's one of the best community theaters, ALT, in the nation. In the nation. They find all the galleries, all the artists. They find what a great music city we are. Let's let's think about it. I mean, obviously symphony. I went to a chamber music concert that was outstanding. We have individual artists who are playing at honky tonks up and down places like Route 66. It's just an amazing creative community. Uh, we also have a couple great art events. First Thursday and first Friday, uh, which really emphasize a lot of the visual arts. So, wow, what a surprising place. Uh, Museums, incredible museums. The Panhandle Plains is one of the best in the state and one of the best in the country. Uh, So arts and culture is the newest arrow in our quiver, so to speak. And you're talking to say, travel writers who are experienced, they've been to a lot of places, they have an idea of what they're going to see when Mm -hmm. they visit a place that they're writing about. If these things are surprising to them and they say, how in the world does Amarillo have this culture? What what do you tell them? What's your answer to them? Geography. We are out here on the high plains by ourselves. Our pioneer forefathers, they were out here even more isolated. So, you know, some of these organizations date back 90 years. The symphony, I think, is 90 years old. That means for them to enjoy symphony, they had to do it themselves. You know, the Emerald Little Theater is many years uh, in existence, mm-hmm. too. Same thing. For our forefathers to enjoy it, they had to do it themselves. So this pioneer spirit pervades everything in this city including the arts and culture. You get a sense uh, in talking to whether, whether it's travelers, whether it's journalists or, or people planning conventions or, or whatever, do you, do you have a sense of how they view Amarillo? And how are you talking to them to sort of change that perspective? Uh, uh, well, let me use something from my typical day from earlier in this interview, working with a, an editor for uh, a trade association that's coming here later this year for a conference. And their question is, what is there to do in Amarillo? Because they want to have good attendance from their members, and they're afraid that if there's nothing to do here during the downtime, their members won't want to come. So there's a great question that we get Mm -hmm. regularly. What is there to do? And the answer is, there is so much here to do that uh, they're going to be surprised, and they're they're going to blow their members' socks off, and they, and they do. 
one of the key questions that we face all the time and that we want to help our front desk staff do better. And these are the folks that are answering the questions in the hotels or at an attraction, the, the front desk people. We have a young lady downstairs who handles it for us here in the chamber. But the question they get is, what is there to do in Amarillo? And unfortunately, we haven't done a good job helping them. So frequently that answer is nothing or not much. So we're working on that. We've developed a, an email newsletter. We send out on Tuesdays, and then we send out a, a reminder on Friday mornings because that's when they're going to start getting even more questions because it's the weekend and people are in for the weekend. So that's how my job has changed. Um, I'm using new technology, mm -hmm. you know, email. That wasn't here really when I started here 20 years ago. Social media. Social media, all that sort of stuff. You're right. And we're trying to help key folks here in town who are also facing outward like mm -hmm. we do. But these are the folks right there where the rubber hits the road. And, you know, when someone asks that question, you have just a few seconds to answer it. And so, that question is getting asked of, like, you know, hotel clerks. Hotel clerks, waiters and waitresses, folks who are at the front desk of attractions, maybe even receptionists and maybe some of our busiest businesses. You know, people like that. Uh, and if they're not armed with the information, what can we expect them to do? I got the biggest kick. I was in a concert hall here in town. It may have been one of the churches, actually, for a concert. It was a busy weekend. There was lots to do. And the guy behind me was talking to his seatmate, saying, gee, I had a hard time deciding. I didn't know there was so much to do in Amarillo. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, someone gets it. And uh, I think more and more as the city grows up and gets more sophisticated, we're getting that. There's a lot to do here. And so I, I want to talk about that a little bit and talking about how the city is changing, how your job has changed over the years. Um, you know, the next five to 10 years, we're going to see a lot of change. And especially in that outward facing stuff with the ballpark, with some of the things happening mm -hmm. downtown. What, what are you doing now to, to prepare for that, to sort of start shifting the narrative of, of Amarillo and the things to do here? Well, I mean, you named one area where we are working right now to shift the narrative. And I like that phrase. That's, that's great. And that's downtown. You know, when I got here, working here at the Bivens House, the Bivens Mansion at 10th and Polk, you could walk out at noon and look up Polk and there were, there's nobody there. Um, maybe a couple restaurants, maybe a couple cars, that sort of Now, if I walked out a little bit later and looked north on Polk Street, the, the difference is night and day. Uh, so downtown is a key change in our narrative. So we're talking about it an awful lot uh, from obviously Polk Street and its history and maybe it's future now. It's kind of becoming our dining uh, ground zero mm -hmm. for Amarillo. I mean, there are dining options everywhere, but for ground zero, it's almost Polk Street. But over on Buchanan, what a change has happened driving north on Buchanan in the last five years. Uh, that west side of Buchanan, from 10th on up, mm -hmm. it's all new construction or recently renovated buildings, 
going from neat things like uh, the XL headquarters and the embassy suites to the Globe News Center uh, and a few other things. And then on the east side, we've got a hole, but next year that hole Mm -hmm. will be baseball and a whole lot more. It'll be concerts and special events. It's going to be a, a focus to draw people downtown, hopefully visitors, but hopefully a lot of locals too. Obviously, we're trying to tell the message outside through marketing, through media relations, through advertising, that sort of stuff. But we're going to have to sell it inside, too, because that's what's going to support a baseball team. For instance. Yeah, I want to talk about that, that selling aspect, because uh, I know there have been a lot of conversations, at least I've had a lot of conversations with thinking about the ballpark, thinking about downtown revitalization. There's a group of people, and I don't know that it's... A, an especially big group, but they can be loud, mm-hmm. who sort of disapprove of that sort of mm-hmm. thing. They don't like the changes. You know, th- there may be a variety of reasons. Your job is to be a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Um, they're yelling from the other direction. So do you ever think about that group? Do you ever think about, well, I need to counter their story or I need to try to move them in a different direction? Or does that just not matter because you're not talking to Amarillo anyway? No, no, it, it matters without a doubt. Um but I don't know if I'm necessarily trying to change their mind or not. Uh, what I will try to do occasionally is if I hear something that's maybe a factual error, well, yeah, then it's our job to step in and say, this is the fact. You know, we respect other people's opinions, but this is the fact. And there's an example of that, uh, Jason, uh, not to go down this road too far, but there's some concern in this city about how many events really we can have at the baseball stadium, at the MPEV. And numbers have been flying around, which suggests that we're really going to be very limited in what we can do. I would like to suggest that actually, especially working with the Elmore Sports Group, the owners, we're going to have hundreds of events down there. Everything, obviously, from baseball to music to concerts to we've examined things like soccer events or what about, uh, this is my favorite, a hockey game, an outdoor hockey game. The NHL is very successful in January uh, with outdoor hockey games in large venues in Yankee Stadium. Mm -hmm. What would it take for us to put an outdoor hockey game there? Uh, I think that would be so cool. Uh, and we might be able to do it. As long our as you weather, pick, pick the right week. Yeah, our weather is such that it gets cold. So preserving ice and refrigerating it, yeah, we have issues, but let's talk about it at least. One last thought. The Elmore Sports Group, they manage the Colorado Springs team. And some of their staff is coming down from Colorado Springs. They have... 200 events a year at their Colorado Springs baseball stadium. Now, some of them are small. They might be artist kind of events or maybe just a social event where someone actually rents the ballpark for a wedding or a wedding reception. But some of them are big, like art festivals, Mm -hmm. like um, car shows, like outdoor soccer tournaments. So... Let's see what happens. We're proceeding with the MPEV that we're going to have lots and lots of events. And hopefully somewhere in that 
list, it's going to tweak everybody's button somewhere so that they'll come down for an event. So you've, you've been here now for about 20 years, maybe more than 20 years. Um, your job, obviously, is to pr- promote the city. But do you feel like, does Amarillo feel like home at this point? Do you feel like you're still someone who's new to the area? Uh, I, I think I passed being new to the area maybe 10 years ago, okay. but it took a while. It takes about a decade. Yeah, it took a while, without a doubt. Um, I've developed a lot of close relationships, professional and personal. So, yeah, Amarillo is home. My girls, they've gone out into the world, but they know that if they're going to go see dad, it's coming back to Amarillo. And I like that feeling. And there are a lot of good people here, a, a lot of good people here. And, and you hear that, I bet, when you're talking to other folks. People value their relationships with their friends. It's a good place to raise a family. You've probably heard that. Very close relationships with, uh, through church or through education. So, yes, it is a good place to call home. Content marketing, email marketing, social media marketing, branding, web and mobile design. If you have a small business or if you have a large business, you probably hear these terms all the time and they're in the context of things that you need to be doing. But if you're like most business owners, you you just don't have the time to do it. You don't have the manpower. You don't have the expertise. Well, marketing is crucial in today's business climate, but it can be overwhelming if you don't know enough about it. That's why you should join forces with ROI Online. ROI believes your marketing should make you money. Their team of experts will partner with you to shape your company's marketing and culture. But ROI is more than a marketing agency. Think of them as your business development partner. They help tell your story so you connect with customers and get ahead of your competition. So become a partner, create a plan, and grow your business. To learn more about how ROI Online can position your business for the future, visit ROI Online or follow them on Instagram or Facebook. ROI Online, leading the modern marketing movement. Okay, I'm back with Eric Miller of Amarillo CVC. Eric, this is the part of the show called Eight Straight. Uh, You've listened before, so you know the drill. Uh, But I'm going to ask you eight questions. Your job is to answer those questions in uh, whatever degree of detail you prefer. I know you could probably go into great, great depth and detail, uh, this being your job, but we'll, we'll see. I, I, we I will try to keep it uh, shorter and interesting okay. to move it. Yep. Let's, let's do it then. First question, for tourists, what is the most loved Amarillo feature or destination? What, what do they like the best? I, I, and I have to give you three. Okay. Cadillac Ranch. Everybody's heard of it. Uh, Big Texan. Mm-hmm. Again, everybody's heard of it. And then the third one is Paladura Canyon. And while not as many have heard of that, it's kind of our go-to. It's one thing that we have that no one else has. So those are the three, uh, our real bread and butter. When you're out on the road, that's what you hear about. I know you do a lot of promotion of Paladura Canyon. Um, do, you, do you partner with Bobby Lee at the Big Texan? Do you push that to people? Do you push Cadillac Ranch as a, a place to stop? Or do people uh, just know that already? They know that already, but we partner with everybody. Because, again, we're selling the city. And, you know, the city is the product of all these individuals. So we partner with everybody. So, yeah, Bobby, Danny, we partner with them all the time. What is your personal favorite Amarillo feature or destination? I love the RV Museum. 
I absolutely love it. Jack Sizemore. Jack Sizemore. Um, it's his, well, it's Jack and Trent's personal collection of vintage RVs, campers, boats, motorcycles. Uh, they've collected them over the last 30 to 40 years. It's free. It's in the back of his dealership, uh, which is open 9 to 5, Monday through Saturday. So it's easy to find it. It's great hours. They're always there, and they don't mind. I mean, some people might say, I don't want to drive up to an RV dealership. The salesman will be on. Nope. If you say I'm here for the museum, they'll get you out there and you'll have a great time. And I don't I think most locals probably don't know about it. At, at least if they're not, you know, interested in RVs, if they're not, you know, shopping over there, they don't really do ads or big promotions or anything for it, but it, it is a really interesting and unique place. It's a great place, and if you're lucky and if Jack is in town and he's available and out there, you're going to get yourself one of the most incredible tours uh, that you've ever had. So RV Museum is that one. All right, this is a question that I I ask of all of my guests. What does this area have too much of? I'm going to say pass-throughs, and that's a very professional judgment. But what I mean is people who just pass through. Uh, They're on I-40. They're heading somewhere else, generally west, and they stop for a burger, they stop for gasoline, they stop maybe to see Cadillac Ranch, and then they're gone. And so what we hope to do is get them to to stop and then turn off the interstate Mm -hmm. and go up to Route 66 or go down to Paladura Canyon or maybe go see Jack at the RV Music. Get them off that main interstate and in, into our neighborhoods, and they'll, I, I think they'll be surprised. What does this area not have enough of? And again, this is professionally, I would say, ambassadors. And now I think we have some really good folks who are ambassadors. I think we do. Uh, we probably have close to 200,000 of them when you really, really get down to it. But we can always use an extra few. So tell me what that means. What does is, what is an ambassador for the city mean? Well, that means you're probably proud of it. Uh, you like to uh, tell its story. You like to maybe share your favorite restaurant in town. You know, maybe you've bumped into somebody, you're at the market, you know, and there's a visitor there and they're asking questions. So you, you step up and answer and say, I know the answer to that. And then you give them your recommendation. That's what an ambassador does. I think Amarilloans are outgoing, generally, and they step up and do that all the time. I may not hear about it enough, but that's what we need. People ready to step up when that time just shows itself. Okay. What is your go-to local coffee shop? I know you're located very close (laughs) to a certain downtown coffee shop. And it's my go-to, but uh, it's Palace Downtown. I love all the coffee shops, so and I try to get around to all the various different ones. But yeah, because it's just up the street, you can literally look out the window. And just about, uh, I love being able to walk to something, and so I just walk there again this morning to start my day. So Palace downtown. Okay, so your offices are, are located downtown. Um, this is not a question I've asked too many guests, but uh, it, it is one that I'm super interested in. What is your favorite building in downtown? Oh, Colorado? I have two. 
and they're both on Polk Street. Okay. Santa Fe building. I love the Santa Fe building, and I love what the county did by stepping up and buying it and putting together the restoration package. Mm -hmm. I can walk in there. Anybody can walk in on that ground floor and feel like you're back in the 30s or 40s in the heyday of the railroad here in town. And if you haven't been on the ground floor of the Santa Fe, you need to go. Then just a couple blocks up, my next favorite building, and this is more recent, is the Woolworth building. It's not a big building, Mm -hmm. but I love that they've restored the old Woolworth sign. Now, Woolworth, when I was growing up, was a big deal. It was the Five and Dime store. So it was a big deal. It's where you went to get the hot dogs and the square buns kind of thing. But now we've got restaurants there. I love that the jazz club has opened up there. And it's right there at 7th and Polk, which is really kind of becoming ground zero right. for downtown. So I love the Woolworth building. Okay. What's your favorite kind of Texas panhandle weather? Two thoughts. Number one, we have four seasons, and we should be proud of that. So that's the first thought. But my favorite is the fall. I love those crisp, clear, uh, sunshiny days. It just seems like everything's brighter. The light has just got a neat tinge to it. And then, of course, we get a little bit of color. Uh, and I love that. So the fall. All right. And then we, we mentioned uh, Bobby and Danny Lee already, but when was the last time you <laughs> ate at the Big Texan? I probably am, unlike many of your guests, I am there frequently. Uh-huh. Uh, Now, it's been a while, so the last time I ate there may have been February, and I think it was. But, you know, over the course of the year, I'm there a dozen times. And because most locals eat there when they have somebody visiting from Mm -hmm. out of town, you are constantly with people from out of town. Always there, and again... It may not be the most gourmet dining option, but it's a dining option that everybody knows, and so everybody wants to experience it, at least the folks I deal with, the visitors I deal with. Are their expectations met when they come in and they've heard about the Big Texan, they've seen the signs? I mean, is is that what they want it to be? Yeah, I think so. And generally, I'm able to get them access to Bobby, Mm -hmm. and he's a great host and a great storyteller, and they, they just eat up the stories of him growing up there at the Big Texan and his father, who I never had a chance to meet. I wish I had. Uh, great stories. So, uh, Eric, that concludes the, uh, the eight straight portion. The last question I, I like to ask of guests is for an endorsement. Mm-hmm. Um, I recognize in your role, your job is literally to endorse Amarillo and all of its features. But uh, I wondered if there is something that you know about, that you're passionate about, that you want local people to know about or experience. There, there is. I've thought about this a lot over my career. I just have to endorse the Quahati Museum and especially the Quahati Dancers. They've been in existence as an organization since the 40s. They have traveled the world to perform since I've been here at the, at the, this, in this office. They've gone to Asia. They've gone to Europe. They've gone to South America. Uh, they've obviously covered uh, North America. If you haven't attended a performance, you're missing something, without a doubt. They are passionate because of their leader, Charles Ritchie, but they are passionate. Each of those dancers is passionate about what they're learning about 
primarily Native American culture, mm-hmm. but then how that applies to them growing up in Amarillo in the 21st century. It's a great story, and I don't think they get enough credit. Eric Miller, thank you so much for being on Hey Amarillo. I appreciate it. One of my favorite things is this is a great interview, so I enjoyed it very much. And that concludes the episode. I, I want to say thanks to ROI, of course, for sponsoring the show and to Eric Miller for sitting down with me. You can learn more about the Amarillo Convention and Visitors Council and, and what they do. Uh, and well, you can learn more about Amarillo itself by going to visitamarillo.com, their website. Um, also look for Visit Amarillo on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, they have a, a, a pretty strong social media presence. As for uh, the social media presence of this show, find us at heyamarello.com. Listen to uh, archived episodes. Dig back through those past shows and listen if you need to catch up. Uh, you can find us at Hey Amarillo on Twitter. Look us up on Facebook and follow Hey Amarillo Podcast on Instagram. Thanks for listening. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.